0: talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. Ugh. From the tailgates. He is a terrible tipper and a terrible human. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. <laughs> Here are your hosts, Patrick Maher and Andy Staples. Hit squad, is in the house. Place at the table podcast as week five concludes in college football. September has concluded. It looks a lot like January as we say hello. My name's Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Andy Staples, I think back home in Florida. Hi, Andy. Hello. Yes, I am home. You know, there's an there's a independent team that's kind of laying in the weeds that might end up doing some damage when we start putting together the final four.
1: You mean the one that lost to Georgia?
0: Yeah, because that, oh, yeah. that's a pretty damn good loss at this point.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course, Georgia doesn't have one. No, they so, don't.
0: And it and you know what? They look damn. And we'll get to it. That buyout life coincides with, of course, what went down in Knoxville. Uh, got a big show coming up for you here on Place at the Table. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I think it's probably best if we back up to Friday. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think we should. I think we should talk about what happened in Pullman. <laughs> Your boy. And Andy Staples, of course, Sports Illustrated, did an article. Uh, he's not coaching uh, down uh, in the Keys. He's coaching in Pullman in the middle of Cowtown. And the first time in, I think, 25 years, Washington State knocks off a top-five team. Yeah,
1: and look, we told you this. If you listened to the the preview episode last week, we told you Washington State was going to beat USC. Yep. It's this is one of those, it, and I, you know, I, I'm usually wrong about stuff, but this was one of those you could see the trap from the moment the schedule was made. It's just the USC has no bye weeks. They're, they're, you know, they're slogging through. They've got a bunch of injuries, and they got to go to Pullman, Washington, on a weeknight as the favorite. It's a bad recipe. And if, if Washington State was any good, you knew Washington State was going to have a real good chance to win that game. And sure enough, they did. I and mean, it was a great defensive performance by Washington State. So that's one of those, you know, all the Leach teams, they get knocked for not playing D. This team plays D. Uh, Alex Grinch is the name of the defensive coordinator. You'll be hearing a lot about him. Uh, he played in college at Mountain Union with a couple of future head coaches, uh, Toledo's Jason Cannondale and Iowa State's Matt Campbell. Hmm. And he may be the third from that Mountain Union
0: team to become a college head coach. It was beyond fun. It, the question will be, is Washington State a Pac-12 contender? We'll get to that in just a bit. But, you know, they frustrated Darnold. Darnold lost, what, three of his five offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I know that Darnold played horribly, but it was like it, he still came up when it mattered. That completion on fourth down was insane. Yes, it was. It, was. it But Falk, Falk was nuts. Falk is now breaking every Pac-12 record at this point, 340, a couple touchdowns. Uh, but really let's just take a step back the, the the environment was awesome those all black with the matte helmets were sweet your boy leach wearing all white like al davis to kind of counter <laughs> to counterpoint the all black looked sweet at least it wasn't a sweat a total sweatsuit you know the big real quick the biggest play andy was late Leach's in the halftime interview late in the <laughs> late in the first that was amazing late in the first half With the interception from USC, Washington D holds up, forces a field. I was gambling in the first half, so I was Mm -hmm. so bitter. But but forces a field goal there, and you know from the three yard line. So that was that was a huge play. It really was. Absolutely. I mean,
1: it's just one of the. You kind of knew when Washington State scored the TD going into halftime. That's what made the Mike Leach halftime interview so funny. It's almost like she came up with her question before they scored that touchdown before they went on the 94-yard the drive to, to score a touchdown and completely wrestle the momentum away from USC. Because the whole question was about how USC is a second-half team and right. you're tied,
0: and his response is like, yeah, well, we are too. <laughs> he just <laughs> he just walks away. Yeah, he went directly into Sabin mode. Uh, but it was a juxtaposition between that and his, his uh, interview after with SportsCenter where was he was talking tremendous. about Woodstock and naked people. It's
1: like Woodstock, but everyone has their clothes on.
0: It was tremendous. It was. It, so think about this, because a weird schedule for Washington State. They open up with their first five. Perfect situation, obviously, as we talked about the last show going into that fifth game against USC. So they go at Cal next week. No, at Oregon. Oh, excuse me. at or- But I believe they host Colorado.
1: So it's at Oregon, at Cal, and then they host Colorado. Now, the at Cal is a Friday night.
0: Okay, that's another so, Friday night game for them. Yep. But getting Colorado at home's kind of juicy. It does, it does help because,
1: you know, I Cal looks like they're getting a little banged up at this point. But, of course, Oregon's very banged up. I mean, their they're starter's out. Uh, Justin Herbert broke his collarbone. Yep. Taylor Ali, the backup, got hurt and went out of the game. They had to bring in Braxton Burmeister, who they were hoping to redshirt. So, you know, we'll see what Oregon's offense is by the time they play because Oregon's got to play another game this week. But we'll see who plays quarterback for Oregon, and that can make a big difference. I mean, Herbert's obviously the best option, but if he's got a broken collarbone, he's out. So, you know, it may not be the same Oregon offense we've been seeing all season.
0: At Utah, for Washington State, they go at Utah and at Washington to finish the year, which would make sense because of the imbalance schedule as far as home and away. But, I mean, if they get there, if they get to Utah, you know, (laughs) weeks 11 and 12 or whatever... yeah,
1: I think there's a good chance the Apple Cups for the the Pac-12 North title. I mean, they they have to they probably had to be sitting there with one loss cuz I'm not sure Washington's going to lose. Now, now, the one thing that's interesting in the Pac-12 North had Did you watch any of Stanford?
0: I did. Bryce Love yeah, was crazy. Bryce
1: Love is is putting up video game numbers. It's insane. But Stanford is better than they were at the beginning of the season. So they're better than the team that lost to USC. They're better than the team They were when they lost to San Diego state. If this keeps up, they could be a very good team by the time they play Washington. If they are a very good team by the time they play Washington, they might knock off Washington and that could really screw things up for the PAC 12.
0: You know, this game was interesting though, Andy, because that first drive from USC, they just kind of manhandled Washington state. And it looked like just the talent was going to override with the, and then ended with the Darnold touchdown run. Um, But it completely flipped. I mean, it really was was amazing to watch. Uh, Obviously banged up with USC, but still. The
1: thing about those air raid teams is they wear you down. And especially if you're banged up, they will continue to wear you down throughout the game. So you may look strong in the first couple quarters, but that offense is going to keep coming. They're going to keep making you run a lot. They're going to keep making you run a bunch of plays. And eventually you wear out. And that's, I think, a lot of that is what happened to USC.
0: Was there any doubt though at the end? Now that was, it stunk how it ended, just because it was just building into this crescendo. It was very anticlimactic. It was, although
1: it was fitting because the Washington defense or the Washington State defense had been good all night, and the fact that they made a play to end the game, I thought was was pretty appropriate.
0: And your best friend Mata Mataha
1: Hercules Mataafa, yeah, <laughs> it's your boy. He, reco- he recovered the fumble.
0: Why is the Pac-12 North so dominated with dudes from Hawaii?
1: Well, it's it's not Oregon State outside of
0: Hawaii is number one, I believe.
1: The whole Pac-12 has a lot of a lot of Polynesian guys and Hawaii. So they all recruit Hawaii. That's where Hercules Off is from. But that you know, some of them recruit American Samoa. They'll recruit Tonga. Uh, You know, Utah actually has a, a good pipeline because of the Mormon. You know, the LDS Church does a lot of mission work in those areas, and so a lot of them either have lived in Salt Lake or have family in Salt Lake, and it helps
0: Utah recruit. Well, God bless Washington State. That was the biggie on Friday. Yesterday, Clemson does what they do. Andy, I, this was the first time before October that a team had beaten three teams in the top 15. They have three great wins. Uh, they went in and beat up on Virginia Tech 31-17. Bryant had 94 on the ground. Um, and they really they just pressured that f- that freshman, J- Jackson, constantly. There's just yeah. no room. Fuente's offense could knock yeah. it off.
1: Clemson's d line is is insane. I mean the stuff they were doing with Austin Bryant this week they had him covering receivers. <laughs> He's a two hundred sixty five pound defensive end, and they had him covering receivers and the interception he made was just that was insane. filthy just filthy I, I it's not it's almost not fair, and it's funny because we're so used to Alabama having all the super freaks but Clemson's d line is way freakier than he and, and I say this. Fully understanding that Alabama may be a complete death machine this year. Like, this may be the most dominant Alabama team of Saban's tenure there. But Clemson's D-line
0: is freakier than anything they got. But there's no way to discern. Like, with the rankings coming out 1 and 2, I mean, come on. It's it just, doesn't matter. It it literally doesn't matter, but I'm saying that if I gave you even money right now, okay, you're a big mm-hmm. gambling guy now that we started this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andy Staples.
1: Should have put some money on Washington State, I guess, since uh-huh. I was so
0: sure. And money line. If I gave you even money right now that Jan come January, we're going to have a three-peat, would you take the bet?
1: Yes, I would, and I would love that. I- I've heard some people complain about the possibility of the same national championship matchup for a third consecutive year. Why? Why? The first two are amazing. <laughs> if it's anything like the first two, we're, we're in for a treat. So why would you complain about that? I, and I, I'm almost more excited about it now because I, I feel like both teams have evolved. Clemson is, you know, they're good on offense, probably not as good on offense as they were last year. We don't know if Kelly Bryant is as dynamic as Deshaun Watson in
0: crunch time, but we do know Clemson's defense is legit. Is the Clemson defensive front as good as like last year's alabama's like they're yeah maybe better you know what i mean because last year's alabama's was ridiculous
1: oh yeah no in last year's alabama's you think about it it, it's that's jonathan allen deron Payne, dalvin tomlinson and then one of the rush linebackers let's say let's say tim williams in this case that's almost impossible to deal with and i think what clemson throws out there in austin bryant Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, and Cleveland Farrell is, is possibly better than that.
0: It's great. And I, I got to call you out a little bit because I said if they get past Virginia Tech and Blacksburg, that's it. And you were like, well, pump the brakes. Florida State might get yeah, it going. No, 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 nope, no. Nope, nope, nope. That's not happening. Now, the
1: Florida State's going to get better as as the season goes on. And that quarterback's going to get better. Cause you, I mean, that throw he made at the end of the Wake Forest game was perfect. But, no, their defense is, does not look as good as I thought they were. I think Miami Miami might break that streak this week. Do you they think? might finally beat them. Well, l-
0: let's touch on Miami, who on Thursday night went to Duke, a four and and0 Duke team at the time, uh, playing well. Obviously, Miami with one less game because of the, all that went down in Florida, but a convincing win for yeah. Mark Rick's program.
1: Yeah, no, they really convincing. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean they dominated that game. And Duke, look, you're right. Duke's not a great team, but they're they're a really good team, and they were playing extremely well. They're well coached and Miami just flat-out dominated with better athletes. This is what you kind of hoped would happen for Miami when they hired Mark Richt. You know, Mark Richt and Miami needed each other, I think, because Mark Richt had gotten away from the things that he did best when he was at Georgia. You know, he was a great quarterback's coach, play caller. When he was doing that stuff, that was when Georgia was at their best, when he was the head coach. He got away from that, went complete CEO, and... By the end, it wasn't the same program. And so he goes to Miami, and he decides, I'm going to coach quarterbacks. I'm going to be more hands-on. I'm going to call plays. And it's it looks like those Georgia teams again. And those those teams were really good. So I, I'm excited to see what happens against Florida State for them because you know this is a program that's just been struggling for a long time, especially in its own state. It's really wanted to regain relevance in its own state. And the problem is Florida State has just dominated them. And now I think they have a really good chance to go to Tallahassee to win the game.
0: And we'll get into our conference breakdown and include Miami. But ask Georgia fans. Mark Richt is setting that, that Miami program up for that one Mark Richt loss when it matters oh. the most. <laughs> Come on. You well, know it's true. They don't have to play Florida at least. So. <laughs> oh, my God. They couldn't beat Florida. <laughs> Um, let's move on to a game that, you know, and as we get to the conference conversation Andy, it will be interesting to talk about this team. But Auburn just kind of slowly, you know, just beat up on Mississippi State. Right. Sidom was very efficient
1: 49-10. So, 2 weeks ago, everybody kept asking me, what about Auburn? What about Gus? What's going to happen? Things aren't looking real good. And I remember I I went on Finebaum and after they played Mercer and I said, "Let's Let's relax. They didn't score against Clemson, okay? Nobody's going to score against Clemson, and then they fumbled a bunch against Mercer, which is correctable. In the past two weeks, they have looked rather dominant. Now we knew they were going to kill Missouri, but I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good showing against Mississippi State. I mean, they defensively, they're very good. I mean, when you look at that Clemson, the Auburn Clemson game, the fact that they held Clemson the way they did. Mm-hmm. I think that's a positive. I, I I think, you know, it's it's Auburn or Georgia is the second best team in the SEC, and you know if you look at Auburn's schedule, they should not lose again until maybe the Georgia game. You know, the, it could be that those two are on a collision course to see who the second best team is. Unfortunately for Auburn, they're in the same division as Alabama. And Georgia's not, so Georgia has a little a little wiggle room there. But Ole Miss, LSU, Arkansas, A and M. Those are all teams Auburn can beat, even though three of them are on the road.
0: Did you get a chance with Feinbaum to brag about the Ivy League visits uh, coming out of high school? or it Didn't come up. They don't talk much Ivy League football. Well, it didn't come up with us either. You just kind of said it. Uh, we were talking about beer. I think. Oh, that's right. We said beer, and you said, hey, remember that one time at Dartmouth? It was my first beer. Not <laughs> Dartmouth. Can you? I,
1: I can't even imagine if I'd have taken a trip to Dartmouth. I mean, it, that's 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 kind of in the woods there in New Hampshire, and
0: I imagine they get after it pretty hard. I couldn't even tell you where it was. Hanover,
1: it went, New Hampshire,
0: Patrick. Where? Wh- what? No, I didn't know that. No, where, where was it that you did say you went? It was Princeton, where, which is... That's in Jersey. It's in Jersey. It's basically kind of suburban Philly. The st- state team, by the way, Rutgers looks good for Jersey. It Promising. <laughs> Bro, what the hell is going on right now? Well, here, here look. <laughs> Chris Ashe. Remember right after they
1: Nebraska fired their AD and Rutgers played the very competitive game at Nebraska? Yes, sir. That doesn't really bode well for the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. It's coming up this week, does it?
0: You watch your mouth though by the way because Nebraska beat those fighting a the lobby yeah. fighting a Eli- what a disaster.
1: Yeah, we got I guess do we have to talk about Lovey no. and that buyout life? I don't, I don't I can't pay attention to them enough cuz I have too many teams to pay attention to that win games and so yeah, I I, I may but he may be living that buyout life doubly because isn't he already living that buyout life in the Bucks?
0: Yeah, he is. No, there's and by the way, there's two biggies beyond the the games that mattered the most. One was in Knoxville and one, one was in Death Valley. So let's hold off on those. Um, you mentioned Stanford. You mentioned Bryce Love, who had on 25 attempts went for 301 and three touchdowns. <laughs> Crazy. He 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 is. They keep on bringing up the quarterbacks, but I think it's between him and Saquon right now. I don't really get into the yeah. Heisman stuff, but he's catching up to Saquon.
1: Yeah, that'll kind of work itself out. But if he keeps doing this, it's it's going to be hard. And then Saquon will basically be judged. Saquon is is in that kind of Leonard Fournette mold, the uh, Leonard Fournette 2015 mold. And then it, it's it's what you do against the, your version of Alabama, and and their version of Alabama is Michigan and Ohio State in consecutive weeks. If Saquon blows up against those two, Saquon's going to win the highest.
0: I don't know, Fournette. You can tell me if you think differently now. Saquon's small, but Fournette. We just saw it again today. I think I think Fournette's going to be a guy that you know gives you 85 yards on 20, you know, 18 to 22 carries in the NFL. I don't think he's a game changer. I don't think he's a game breaker as far as speed is concerned at the next level. Do you think Saquon will be? It's so hard to tell. It really is, because Gurley's coming on now, and there's different, yep. you know, so it, it, it really doesn't, like, the only one that we knew was when Barry Sanders was going right. nuts.
1: Right, I, and I had a mailbag question about Saw him that. last week. Yeah, just, just, to, and, and just wanted to put the YouTube clips in, because the most amazing thing about Barry Sanders to me is he ran like that in college, and then he did exactly the same thing in the NFL. Nobody does that.
0: Well, you know, that is what, like, literally, that was my obsession growing up in Michigan, but we didn't, and you and I are the same, but I didn't really get to see, because we didn't have the internet, we didn't have uh, an opportunity to stream games and get multi, so uh, coming out of, you know, school, college for Barry, I knew, and I saw some of the highlights, but I didn't really know what to expect. Has anybody ever literally went from one level to the next, and it didn't even change him at all? like think about what happened yeah he did it I'm, for 10 straight years I,
1: i'm trying to think i mean maybe maybe marino or montana yeah i guess you could say steve, that steve young um
0: there aren't many but he was he was the best we should we should probably put him above mike vick when you and i just get, jock these guys like yeah. barry was well, the cause, guy
1: because vick there were times vick got shut down i remember when i was working for the tampa tribune i covered a a Bucks Falcons game where the the Bucks defense just absolutely annihilated Mike Vick, and Barry it never it never felt like he got shut down.
0: No, it really didn't. Um, okay, so we talked about Auburn. You know, interesting, especially. I mean, it's not a big win, but they did do it in lincoln that being northern illinois beat nebraska how about san diego state uh 19 in the country right now obviously non-power five but uh that is a team that you know we've talked about what central florida and now san diego state looks to be the team outside that power five
1: i would think so and and that stanford win i think will continue to look better as stanford gets better so the the kj costello thing for stanford is is I think it seems pretty big, and uh, I'll give Greg McElroy credit for that one because he's the one who kind of hit me to, to Costello and said, that's the guy, if they ever think to put him in, that they're going to take off. And they put him in because they had to against UCLA, and it doesn't feel like they've looked back at all.
0: Penn State beats up on Indiana 45-14. to Saquon went nuts. I mean, he's doing it, you know, whether out of the backfield, catching the ball, running the ball on returns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's crazy. But there's really nothing from that Indiana team that you're gonna take.
1: No, and you know, they go to Northwestern. I'm not sure there's much you take out of that either. Northwestern hung with Wisconsin for a little while, but I think Penn State should be able to handle them. And then Penn State's off and then they get Michigan. So I mean thing things get really real here for Penn State in uh in not much time. Place at the table. What?
0: What? All right, take your pick. It's come to the dramatic part of the show. Should we start with Ed or should we start with Butch? Let's start with Butch. Well, 41 nothing worse home loss in billion years, a lifeless performance. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have obviously an identity. Uh George is really good, but again, I don't even know what we were watching with 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 Tennessee that was. I'm not was, sure they did either. They, they didn't reach a, the red zone by the way. They had a center butt fumble. Yeah, there was a butt Center fumble and they neglected Hunter well, to- kicked it into the long snapper's butt too, I think. They <laughs> neglected to uh end up in the red zone at home, which yeah. is tough. Problematic problematic. And, Sub- suboptimal, as the soccer guys say. And we've come up with that buyout life. And, and for those of we're not hoping people get fired. And by the way, that buyout life insinuates they're getting paid a bunch of money. It's all it is, good. It is my dream, of course, to be paid <laughs> millions of dollars to not work. That is my it, lifetime dream. And let me, Can we just say, this is year five for Butch. Yep. It's not like we're saying, it's not an Ed Ogeron conversation, which we'll have, but it's year five, and that was as dispirited as you get. So here, here's the
1: deal. They're not firing Butch now. We're recording this at 8 o'clock Eastern time on a Sunday night. He hasn't been fired yet. He's Shout out to hard work. He's, he, yeah, he's not getting fired <laughs> right now. He, now, I'm not saying he won't get fired. I'm saying he's not getting fired off of, as a reaction to this game. So they have an open date. They, they can kind of work on some stuff. They get South Carolina when they come back. If they can't beat South Carolina coming off an open date, and remember – Losing to South Carolina, coming off an open date, was what killed him last year. Then I don't think there's much deliberation for for the AD John Curry to be doing, you know. But right now he has time. It's 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 October first. He doesn't have to fire anybody right now. I mean, really, and, what's the point of doing it now? Right, exactly. So, and what's interesting is there's a new dynamic this year in that they have that early signing period in December, and this is the first year of that. And ads who are deciding whether or not to change coaches are not freaking out, but they're, they're a little concerned because they don't know when the best time to fire the coach would be because it, it there, there's a couple schools of thought. You do it a little bit earlier, a couple weeks earlier than you might have or otherwise, because then you can get your ducks in a row. And you know, that, that last Saturday right after Thanksgiving, the guy you want will play. You will interview him either that night or the next morning, and you will announce him that day, that that Sunday morning. He'll be recruiting for you that Sunday. Because remember, at that point, he only has two weeks to keep the class together. So do you do that and have no coach for a month or a month and a half, and everybody picks apart your class, and th- those guys are now that who've been stolen from you are now ready to sign somewhere else two weeks after you announce your new coach? Or – do you try to time it the way Texas did? I, I went back and looked at the timing between the official announcement that Charlie Strong had been fired and the official announcement that, to, that Tom Herman had been hired. Mm-hmm. Do you know how long it was between those two things? No. Six and a half hours. Wow.
0: So they had something think, in place.
1: I would think Well, with that, but they also didn't fire Charlie Strong before. Now, the the early signing period wasn't an issue, and actually Texas's class wasn't really good enough to worry about it. But... If you had a class like Tennessee's, which is currently ranked sixth in the country in the 24-7 composite, you might want to time this up. Because the thing about a a six-and-a-half-hour window like that is nobody's going to be able to steal a bunch of recruits in six-and-a-half hours. And if you make a home run higher, those recruits are going to go, well, I was going to go play for Butch, but I like this guy too. And that's the thing. He's consistently recruited there. He has. He has. He has, and that's and that's probably why he's gotten more chances. And so they're effectively out of the SEC East race because they're going to lose to Alabama. And no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you lose to Alabama, that's you know three SEC losses. That means Georgia and Florida have to finish four and four in the league or worse. That's not going to happen. So they're out of the SEC East. That's not a consideration anymore. But they, but but if you look at their schedule every game except alabama's winnable like 9 and 3s in play for tennessee <laughs> that's that just tells you how bad everybody else is that's not it's not a compliment for tennessee
0: but is it a symbolic 41 nothing beatdown that you it, know kind of per, is more pervasive
1: well that's the thing how long does this last has he lost the locker room if he's lost the locker room we'll know because they'll lose. Now they might beat South Carolina, especially if Jake Bentley's hurt and can't play. But they will lose more games. They'll lose to Kentucky or they'll lose to Vandy or they'll lose to somebody else. They'll lose to LSU. They'll lose to more. They'll lose more. Where Curry really has to make a decision is if they wind up eight and four. Because do you fire a guy who's sitting there at eight and four who's got a good recruiting class coming in? who may be able to develop a quarterback and then all of a sudden you may have a chance again. Now one thing I would I would consider though is the fact that Georgia seems to be getting everything together. And if Georgia gets everything together, it's going to leave Tennessee in the dust. Florida they don't have a quarterback yet. The other pieces seem to be coming around.
0: Florida if, stinks. No. Florida's defense against Vandy was gross. They were okay. They're terrible. It got better. Dude, they gave a 24 to Vandy. Vandy is garbage. They're okay. They're not good, but they're okay.
1: Now, in the SEC East, okay will get you somewhere. Yes, I bet on that game. Under. I know you did. Under. You took the under. Of course. That's why you're Florida. That's why I've just mad. been waiting
0: for that defense. The last two years was like the 85 bears. And then now you turn around, they lose Del Rio for the year, whatever. Franks comes in.
1: Wait, you, you mean after they lost their, most of their secondary, all of their linebackers, and their defensive coordinator you assume the defense would be just as good cry me a river
0: <laughs> hey real quick because you bring up a great point about the Tennessee and recruiting and, yep. and 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 college football fans are well studied in this and so they understand the idea of procuring recruits and they will bail yeah, we, we
1: could we could never get into this on your mad dog show by the way no we could never talk about the early <laughs> signing day you no, just start
0: yawning it no that's the thing about it though and it really does play into an 80s decision it be- has to yeah, and think about that. A top six recruit class as we sit here right now, it's its a tough thing to pull the trigger. And you yeah. mentioned if the momentum starts to build and they end up with nine wins, maybe you start to get further away from the 41-0 beatdown.
1: Right. Look, if they're 9-3, and three, he's staying. He's staying, there's no, yeah. There's no question. 8-4, probably staying. 7-5, and five, I think you got to make a decision. 6-6, six and six, there's no decision to make. You, you just get you fire him.
0: Well, may I ask you, is it the same AD that's been that made the dually, made the Kiffin? No, 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 no. Okay, so that's no. a, it's it.
1: So John Curry is new. John Curry was on Mike Hamilton's staff as an associate AD when Fulmer was fired. But then in 2009, Curry was hired as the AD at Kansas State. So Curry's not fired a football coach or made a football hire yet, because when he got back to Kansas State, Bill Snyder was already there.
0: Important to note, and, and we've talked about this, Andy. There, who's the next young hotshot? It's not like there's somebody waiting in the wings that everybody's going to freak out about with if you get rid of Butch Jones.
1: No, and that's the other part of it is there is no, there's no obvious person. You know, there's no. Urban there's no Fuente. Two thousand four. There's no Justin Fuente. There's no Tom Herman. There's no person that everybody looks at and goes, that's the next big guy. And the problem is there may be three or four jobs that would require the next big guy. Yeah, so Herman's what a great example. What you, what you got to do is throw a bunch of money at somebody who's already somewhere.
0: Herman's a great example because even you know in the same division, uh, Muschamp. You know, once mm-hmm. once South Carolina lost out on Fuente, it was so Tennessee. Well, South fans, Carolina
1: also lost out on Herman,
0: and on on Herman as well. I don't think he was ever interested, but he
1: was, he, he was, he was. Yeah, losing to the Citadel ended it.
0: He Tom Herman was interested in. Don't do this to me on a Sunday, dude. Jesus he Christ, he was,
1: he was, and his, it was when they turned their attention to Kirby Smart, that Georgia goes, uh oh, we got to do something, and they fired Rick and hired Kirby Smart.
0: So that it now. A name I'll bring up, and I don't know, you might just laugh at me, but is somebody like T. Martin?
1: Okay, so that's not a bad thought because of who T. Martin is. Now, I've talked to the analytics people, and they say the whole going to the school, being an alum, does not mean anything. It doesn't help you significantly. There's no statistical significance in terms of improving your performance if you went to the school. But it would certainly be a link to the Fulmer era it would you know a national championship winning quarterback mm-hmm. who has proven himself as a coach and I don't I don't mind the idea of hiring a, a good coordinator think of so I, I had somebody who, who's worked in college football for a long time text me today and said why do they keep hiring the, these head coaches assuming they're going to get you know similar results and he's like look at look at some of the the better hires through the years like Bob Stoops was hired as a coordinator and then dominated at Oklahoma for 18 years.
0: But give me an example of who the dude that texted you was talking about. Like, Is he talking about retreads in particular?
1: Uh, well, no. I mean, he's, he's talking about – he's saying the ADs need to think a little more outside of the box and not assume they have to hire a sitting head coach. Now, I, okay, let me, okay. L- let me throw a coordinator out there who, because of a strange career path, has head coaching experience and I think would be perfect for a lot of these jobs, Joe Moorhead at Penn State. His offense has been phenomenal at Penn State. Now, granted, when you have Saquon Barkley, Mike Gusecki, and, and Trace McSorley, your offense is gonna be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But just the way he runs it, the way he designed it, it's so efficient. I think it could work with, with multiple players. I think he's smart enough to work it around the talent of the players he has instead of just saying, this is my system. We're going to run my system because I'm a genius. But he remember, his last job was head coach at Fordham. So he has that CEO experience just at a smaller level with less money. But he's done a lot of the same managerial things that you would have to do as the head coach at a, at a Power 5 school. So I think that makes him one of the more perfect candidates for the schools that are going to be looking for something.
0: Okay, but in- injection of realism. Okay. You're also now hiring... Social media. You're hiring a guy with a forward-thinking attitude when it comes to social media, being hip. The, the, like the the Harbaugh thing has worked because Harbaugh, while he's wearing the khakis, has also just completely. Well, complete... Morehead
1: Morehead will do that too. Okay, I didn't. I don't. I, do, yeah. I don't know of him, yeah. but you
0: you understand? Like we talked about Cutcliffe, who, if you gave him Butch Jones's players, might end up winning ten games, but we don't know if that's the type of that's the type of dude kids are going to go play for, in this weird transitional well, social Cut- media. Cutcliffe's
1: staff actually does all that stuff really well. Okay. It, that's part of it. You don't have to do it like Tom Herman does it or Jim Harbaugh does it. Those two are probably the best head coaches when it comes to that. But you got to have people who do. And it can be assistant coaches. It can be coordinators. It can be position coaches. It can be uh, inside recruiting guys, uh, football ops guys, whoever it is that's good at it. You know, Michigan just hired a guy from Arizona named Matt Dudick mm-hmm. who is kind of a kind of a do everything guy. He he handles a lot of the recruiting stuff inside, he handles a lot of the the office managerial type stuff. He was at Arizona with Rich Rodriguez. He's very creative. All those wacky videos they did, he was okay. uh, the brains behind a lot of them. Uh he's always thinking about what will work on social media, and that's something Harbaugh has hired a bunch of people like that. The, you know their video guy is fantastic because they know that stuff works
0: on recruits. All right, that out life Butch will wait and see. The the so I brought this up the second half of Syracuse LSU. What I meant. That, that Syracuse was right there is like up front they seem to be just as good and that seemed to be the case when I was watching the LSU Troy game Troy beats LSU oh, Troy was better <laughs> yeah, and Troy wasn't even playing it like they're they're good but they're not I mean it's 24-21 win um it's not like Troy was on this other level of balling out
1: no I mean Troy lost to Boise State the same Boise State team that got throttled by Virginia yeah at home yeah so I mean look that's on LSU Troy outrushed LSU. Troy's got good players. Troy beat LSU at the point of attack. But that's LSU. That should never, ever happen. That's on LSU if that happens. You should always be able to, to beat Troy at the point of attack. But they, can't, they couldn't. They, they couldn't do it. They got, you know, their offensive line was not getting any push at all. And uh, when have you ever seen an LSU team that couldn't get a push up front and have a back go for 100 yards?
0: At all like so tell me tell me is it is it something is it emblematic of the recruiting as of late or what well
1: their offensive line they've had a lot of issues they've had guys leave they've had a guy they had to throw one of their starting guards off the team so they're very thin there they started two true freshmen the other night they are you know painfully thin not sure if guys know the offense that's a recipe for disaster now they did have a bunch of guys hurt they got a couple defensive ends hurt that could be back in time for Florida. Darius Geist didn't play last week. So we may see a different team that goes to Florida, but it doesn't change the fact that they look soft on both lines of scrimmage, which is something I never, <laughs> ever thought you'd say about an LSU team.
0: Okay, but uh, let me ask you this way, and, and I don't want to be disrespectful to your buddy at Ogeron. <laughs> if, if if you were to give the offseason to Urban Meyer with that team, does – LSU lose Detroit, and the simple no. answer is absolutely no No,
1: not. No, no, no question.
0: About so it, it might. Not. It literally look. He's got a twelve million dollar. Ogeron has a twelve
1: million dollar buyout. So I, I've i been informed it, it's prorated, so you take away what they've already paid him for this year. So it'd really be eight and a half million if they fired him.
0: Okay, but y- you've you've
1: said but many a times a lot of money. Yeah. They're not going to
0: fire him after one. But it's very apparent and I'm not being just dis- that they literally made the wrong this is the wrong hire and yeah. it's not the right situation
1: yeah and he's you know he's got to come up with a miracle turnaround
0: how does a guy that hung work. his hat on like defensive lineman? how does how does a team that is built around grit and all this shit that stuff that you talk about with Ozeron how, how do you get beat up front I don't
1: know and that's that's the big question now my bigger question is you sold LSU on the fact that you were going to hire good coordinators and let them do their job because you learned all these lessons. You learned from your mistakes when you were at Ole Miss. And so the time when you were interim at USC and the time you were interim at LSU, when you let everybody do their jobs and you didn't micromanage them. Yeah. That's what you said you were going to do. Well, he told you, you did the 5,000
0: word piece in SI.com.
1: Well, when all of a sudden the offense decides they're not going to do the shifting that is a critical part of Matt Canada's offense. We're gonna we're just not gonna do that this this game. That's a that's a red flag. When when Orgeron calls out Canada for, for handing the ball to the third string running back the first play of the game, that's a red flag. So either he needs to keep his promise to let those guys do their job or learn to be a great offensive coordinator sometime between now and, and the Florida game. Because that, it doesn't work any other way. you got to let the guy do his job, or you gotta, you got to do it yourself.
0: Legit question. Ogeron's mom was a big part of the piece you did for Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. Um, one is her, and then two is it appears that you have a nursery in the background right now. So can either the children and or Ogeron's mom coach this team a little bit better?
1: I wouldn't mess with Ogeron's mom. She's
0: Man, I, I think she'd whip him into shape. How is it How is it possible that he literally just he's not a head coach? <laughs> just not. You can't honestly you just can't lose Detroit at home. <laughs> I don't know. You can't lose Detroit at home. Well, oh,
1: okay, you say that. Yes, and I'm not comparing these two people at all, but this happened. to there's a, there was a coach that lost to UAB at home his first year at LSU. The same guy lost to ULM, Louisiana Monroe at home. His first year at his next college job. The Dragons were sweet though. UAB do, had brought. Do, do, do you know this coach's name? I'm guessing it's Les. It's Nick Saban.
0: Yeah, and he was booty at Michigan State too.
1: Yeah, he turned out okay. I'm not comparing those Five, two. Fine, yeah. All. Was, just, you're right. Ozuron's the next it, Saban. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying <laughs> for it the can same happen. Age. <laughs> yeah, it, it can happen. But no, there's no excuse for what happened I last know. night. Were you, sh- were you shocked? I was shocked because. You know, like, you you go back to, to Saban's first year at Alabama when they lose to Louisiana Monroe. It, they didn't lose that way. You could see where the problems were. These are problems that are not play-calling necessarily, and they're not physical talent problems. They are, and I I kind of hate when, when people do this, when they get, oh, it's grit and toughness and blah, but that's what it is.
0: There's no better way to describe it. It's like onomatopoeia. The way his voice sounds, his team doesn't play that way. You <laughs> <laughs> Know what so I mean? Re- reverse onomatopoeia? A quick trivia. Who did Saban have? And he had a great quarterback for a college quarterback at Michigan State. You know the answer. Jeff Smoker? Tony Banks. Oh, he had Tony Banks. That's right. Tony Banks. That's right. And he really was. That's interesting because, he, you know, he won eight games. He won nine. Yeah. Eight, but uh, that's a good point. Well, you know what? You've, you've made your case. Let's let uh, Ed grow a little bit. We we will, but
1: look, if they lose to Florida and then and then get drilled at home by Auburn, <laughs> I know it's a lot of money, but those people at Louisiana
0: are crazy, yeah, and they'll t- turn on you quick.
1: Place at the table. What?
0: When you hear it, that means we're going through the conferences here on Place at the Table. You can follow us on Twitter at. P-A-T-T, right? Play set to, no, P-A-T-T podcast.com, at P-A-T-T podcast on Twitter. That's right. Um, okay, so Andy, the I'm gonna just going to lay out the scenarios for you, and you tell me if I'm off on anything here on the conferences, okay? Okay. So we'll start with the SEC. All right. And we're looking toward the playoff or whatever. But right now you've got Bama in mm-hmm. Georgia, and then Auburn as a sleeper.
1: Yes, and I, I think that's the, it's those three. Florida is sort of like its own middle class, and then there's everybody else.
0: Bama, Georgia, Auburn, Sleeper. Okay. Uh, Would, come Atlanta, come SEC Championship, are we starting to feel that Georgia-Bama game could be pretty tasty? I don't know. I mean, the way Alabama's playing right now, I'm not sure there's anybody in the league that can keep up with them, but,
1: but Georgia would seem like the best matchup for that situation. I mean, Bama is is just straight up murdering people right now, and and granted, it it might be who they're playing, but I I don't know. I th- they seem like they're out to make a point, <laughs> and they're making it.
0: Let's go. Yeah, no, you're right. They, I mean, the Vandy game, then Ole Miss beat down. I mean, it's just ugly. Yeah, I, and I don't know who
1: who can slow them down other than maybe Auburn or Georgia, but I'm not, I'm still not sure how much they slow them down cuz you you know you look at Georgia they ran really well against Tennessee that doesn't work against Alabama when you when you line up in a in a pro style offense and i formation and hand the ball to a running back coming downhill you don't
0: do that against Alabama like it doesn't work the ACC Clemson and everybody take care i mean if you want to throw Miami in the mix Virginia Tech I, I Florida states wanted to just, it's it's Clemson and that's it that's it
1: I mean we saw the team that may play Clemson in the title game in the ACC title game last night Clemson was at their place and had no trouble at all so it's it, you know unless miami is is that much better and then and maybe that's the case but even then i I still don't know how
0: how anybody scores enough to stay with Clemson. It's the Big 12, and it's Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. TCU, can they beat the Sooners? And then Oklahoma State, maybe, if they win out.
1: West Virginia. West Virginia plays TCU this week. West
0: Virginia, yeah, but West Virginia lost to Virginia Tech. Yeah, but that's not a conference game. (laughs) Fair.
1: They still win the league. So, uh, I'm I'm very curious about that game because, look, you saw Texas Tech push Oklahoma State to the brink last night in Lubbock. Mm -hmm. So... I, and I saw Baylor push Oklahoma to the brink, and that was kind of shocking after what Oklahoma did to Ohio State. So I think these teams may be, may be bunched closer together than we think. Are we saying TCU? It's possible. I have TCU in my projected playoff at SI.com this week, but it's it's really more of a placeholder for, for a one loss or, or undefeated Big 12 champ.
0: Now, you mentioned non-conference. You know what? I'm going to hold off on the Big Ten. Pac-12, uh, non-conference does play here. Washington had a weak non-conference schedule. Washington State sitting at 5-0. Utah sitting at 4-0. And then maybe USC wins out. Uh, but Washington, Washington State, Utah right now. Let me give you the nightmare scenario for the Pac-12.
1: USC loses to Notre Dame and then wins out otherwise. Washington goes undefeated in the Pac-12 North, goes, you know, goes undefeated in their regular season schedule. US, two loss USC plays
0: undefeated Washington in the Pac-12 title game and beats them. No playoff for the Pac-12. Ooh. By far, by the way, the most fascinating conference that's not close is the Big Ten. Now, Penn yes. State non-conference was Akron, Pitt, and Georgia State. Okay. Not, they're going to they're going to play Bob. in late October coming up in a few weeks. They're going to play back-to-back Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah. Ohio State's going to be fine if they win out. Wisconsin's 4-0. Michigan's 4-0. The Big 10 is as your kids would say lit. Yeah. The Big 10 is is number 1 in our uh, in our conference. It's not even close, today. by the way. No. No,
1: it's not. And look, Wisconsin may have something to say about all this. You know, we we talk we keep say, assuming the East team's going to win the Big 10.
0: I don't know. Wisconsin may change our minds. That would be... Sh- I mean, you're right, but it would be shocking. It would be. It would be shocking if if, if Wisconsin comes out and not Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan. But shocking. I, look, I'm telling you, they're good. So, I don't know
1: if they're as good as those other three, but they're good. And it's a one-game scenario. And if Wisconsin gets into that one game with one loss then i think wisconsin you know has a has a punchers chance to be a playoff team because if you win that that one game scenario you're you're probably in
0: honestly andy if you take the big 10 aside these conferences are down georgia has saved the sec okay yes. but big 12's down pac 12 washingtons okay whatever i don't think
1: the big 12's down i think the big 12's up from where it was last year. from where it was last year but
0: Oklahoma having problems with Baylor that's a, is
1: a big red flag. Th- that's a giant
0: red flag. Ginormous red flag. The ACC is booty. Mm, I mean, it's okay. It's middling. It's middling. Okay. It's, middling. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not like I, terrible. I, I'm not sure. Like I'm Virginia Tech's sure. good.
1: Yeah, because I think the ACC has some medium tier teams that are that are way better than their SEC
0: counterpart. NC State. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um. But but if, as far as power rankings, it's the Big Ten and everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That brings us to an independent little team out of South Bend. Now, here's they beat up on Miami of Ohio did what they needed to do. You mentioned at the beginning that Georgia win looks good. So they Notre Dame you has hit, Georgia loss. Excuse me, the loss at South Bend, which is a great win for Georgia. Right. Notre Dame yet to play USC, NC State who's ranked mm-hmm. Miami and Stanford. Yeah. And and Navy's usually pretty good and too. And Navy's so. good too. Yes. Yeah,
1: so uh, absolutely if, if Notre Dame wins out there's a conversation to be had now. Here's here's the scenario Notre Dame does not want, under any circumstances. Notre Dame wins out, Georgia wins out, Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game. If Notre Dame is going to make the playoff, Georgia's going to make it ahead of them. So, yep. That there's probably you know there's possibility that Georgia knocks them out just because of that. So, uh, but I do think in in Michigan State beating Iowa. Does, certainly helps Notre Dame because Notre Dame went to A.C. Lansing and whooped them. They whooped them. So, yeah, I, I think Notre Dame is – and the way Notre Dame schedules spaces out is good, too. It's not – you don't have a lot of – there are no brutal back-to-backs. You know, you, you've got kind of a, a breather game. The, the toughest back-to-back they have is USC and then NC State,
0: but they get both those at home. And that offense is starting to get rolling. Mm-hmm. I told you Wimbush was going to be good. Yeah, no, you're right. All right, that means... Name a city, and Andy has eaten there. Choose a restaurant, and he'll break it down better than a cover two defense. Let's find out what's good. What's good with Staples? Sports Illustrated, He can check the column when he drops it. It's a mail. It's a plethora on Mondays. This will be embedded, but I forgot, where were you? I was at home, but I, I, you know, I got
1: I got a lot in the bank right now. Oh, so the the restaurant I wrote about for this week's edition of Punt Pass and Pork was a place I went in Morgantown about a month ago called Tailpipes, which sounds like a strip club. Yeah, you know? it does. Sounds but like an
0: eight mile in Detroit where it, we grew it, up. Yeah. It is.
1: It is not a strip club. Uh, it is a kind of a diner in the downtown area in Morgantown, uh, specializing in burgers and shakes. So the burger I had is called the Charger. And it is fried bananas, peanut butter, bacon, pepper, pe- pepper jack cheese. Now, it's a half-pound patty. I, of course, doubled that because I could. They gave me the opportunity, and, of course, I took it. Welcome. Uh, so, full pound of beef, peanut butter, fried bananas, bacon, pepper jack. It's tremendous.
0: And the place is called Tailgates. But – Tail pipes.
1: Tail, tail pipes. <laughs> that ass. More like a strip club. No, but you also have to get a shake – they have cereal shakes there. They have fruity pebbles, they have crunch berries, they have cinnamon toast crunch. I got cinnamon toast crunch because that was that's the so the, the cereal milkshakes are basically an ice creamized version of the milk you drank out of the bowl after you drank after you ate a bowl of cereal. The best bowl of milk was always at the end of the bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. Because it was sugar and cinnamon. So the
0: cinnamon toast yes. crunch shake was by far the best of this bunch. So the cinnamon, you got a cinnamon toast shake and a burger. Is that all part of the Atkins or like what, what part of that? <laughs> is that like, South Beach? Uh, it's part of the Buy New Pants diet. I have a question. I got to back up because I had a burger last night. So mm-hmm. I need your culinary expertise. All right. What, what, can we get off the brioche buns? Is that what they are? Like these? I, you uh, know, I think,
1: I think people just like saying brioche. I don't get what makes a brioche bun that much better than anything else. I mean, like I understand what's up when you get a Kaiser roll or something or a poppy seed one, or, you know, you get some, you see something on there. Brioche just looks like regular old white bread. Chick was mean mugging me when I say you got anything besides that brioche. Yeah. Uh, but no, okay. the, 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 the correct answer is always pretzel roll. If pretzel roll, I is would available. agree. And yeah. medium rare on the burger. Medium or medium rare. If I trust the place, I'll go medium rare. Um, you know, it's ground beef, so that's, you do have to worry about the, the, the stuff, the diseases and stuff. So, uh, medium takes care of all that stuff. If it's interior cuts
0: of meat, I go rare. If it's like, you know, a good steakhouse steak, rare only. Okay. And then you're given a choice. I was given three choices, but I don't really think there is a choice when given a choice for cheese on a burger.
1: I'm a cheddar guy. Hmm. Now the the burger I talked about had cheddar jack, uh, pepper jack cuz that's that's what they chose to put on it and they felt like it it complemented those ingredients best so I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that but when given the option I go cheddar unless I want a mushroom swiss burger.
0: So you just don't respect blue cheese.
1: No, I like blue cheese fine but it's I, it's not one I put on my burger. Quickly uh little audible top national burger spots. No, okay, I I get in trouble for this. Uh we don't count. We're not counting Five Guys in the same category as Wendy's, Whataburger,
0: yeah, In-N-Out. Yeah, no, that. yeah, because because
1: no, that... a Five Guys double cheeseburger is like eight ninety nine, so it's a little bit different class of burger. I think.
0: Okay, so you're just driving with the kids, and you got to run into a place, and that's not around. Nor is In-N-Out, obviously. And where are you driving to? Where into? I live. Ooh. Um, maybe probably Wendy's. Okay, because I Wendy's is
1: is is low key decent, like. The chili's good there. The, the baked potatoes are good. And the burgers are not bad either. Fries have gotten better. They've changed the fries around a little bit. Tailpipes. Tailgaters. What is not, it? T- Tailpipes. Tailpipes. Not, not a strip club by the airport, even though it sounds like one. <laughs> That's
0: what's good with Staples. So what's good with week five going into week six? Can we look ahead? Um, oh, there's, this, this week is a week of
1: intrigue. Set it up for me. Well, you got the the Miami floor. Well, actually, we will start Thursday night. Louisville at NC State. That's a that goes back to the fun Thursday night games before they got terrible when the NFL started playing. That's going to be a good.
0: I feel like Louisville plays on Thursday night a lot, which I like. Yeah, Remember a few well, years back, they played Florida State on Thursday night. Yeah, but they don't do that as much anymore. Yeah, that was a great game against Florida State. That was the one where Dalvin saved
1: Florida State in the second half. In Louisville, Louisville, yep. Louisville should have won that game. Yep. Yep. All right, so. You've got Michigan and Michigan State, which I think is a, a pretty interesting game. Yeah. You've got TCU-West Virginia. The Pac-12 is really interesting because um, <clears throat> you've got Stanford-Utah, which is just power, you know, beat you up on beat you up. You've got the Washington State-Oregon game, which we talked about a little bit. Wisconsin-Nebraska, which for Mike Riley's future is a, is a big game. Alabama-Texas A&M. You know what has happened to Texas Am after they played Alabama each of the last three years so does that happen again does Alabama continue to basically name its score against SEC opponents plus then, A&M, then, am has
0: to be- pick themselves up off the map after playing a tough a must champ South Carolina <laughs> team
1: ah uh, they made, that was a that was a good game a good but game. they uh, they got through it. South Carolina decided to stop blocking. In the yeah, fourth quarter, after that game,
0: they didn't even which, try in the fourth, which,
1: which which made it made it slightly problematic. Another game that that is is interesting just because of the backstory is Florida LSU. Remember LSU going to Gainesville because of all that back and forth last year after the hurricane, and LSU saying Florida was scared, right? And then the SEC finally stepping in and saying, okay, Florida, you go to Baton Rouge this year in November and play LSU, and then LSU has to come to Gainesville twice in a row. And Florida went and beat LSU, and I've never seen an athletic director actually take a loss during a football game, but that happened that day.
0: Well, that's, to put it in Andy words, that's just an appetizer because we'll be dropping another place at the table midweek to get you set up for week six. Download and subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, PATTPodcast.com. Do us a favor, leave a review. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, at PATTPodcast. Last words from Andy Staples. Cinnamon toast milk Cinnamon toast crunch milkshake Imagine when you had your cinnamon toast
1: crunch as a kid and there was the milk at the bottom of the bowl imagine you had put two scoops of vanilla ice cream in there and then thrown it in a blender
0: Not that That's anybody cares what but about. not that anybody cares but I've never had milk I hate I hate the consistent Ever? I mean I've had it but I never as a kid I would cry. I hate the consistent I would we, put, have,
1: we have so much to talk about. I would put orange episode.
0: wait, check this and we'll do it next. I put orange juice on cereal. Or water. Coming up next wait, b- <laughs> Like the dad in Friday tells him to do. Put water or You better own- put some water <laughs> What? We're gonna start week six preview with We're not gonna talk about football water. at all. We're just gonna talk about water on cereal. It's Place at the Table Podcast.